uncommitted as getting votes everywhere, the president's big problem. Muslim Americans who were critical, absolutely critical to his big margin in Michigan in 2020 are telling the president tonight that they are mad. That's John King from CNN's live coverage on Tuesday, February 27th. As the polls were closing in Michigan and the numbers were rolling in, he's standing in front of that familiar whiteboard, tallying the number of votes cast not for a candidate, but the uncommitted, and projecting the trouble that could spell for President Biden in November. Welcome to Inspired, a production of Interfaith Voices. I'm your host, Umbreen Khan. Each week, we explore the beliefs that shape our world, our culture, and our politics. This week, lots of folks are asking what happens when you vote uncommitted in a primary. According to the Democratic Party rulebook, If an uncommitted ballot generates 15% or more of the votes in that congressional district, the uncommitted earns a delegate at the convention. After Tuesday, the Michigan delegation to the convention in Chicago this summer will now include two convention delegates who will be uncommitted from the 6th and 12th congressional district. We begin this week's episode in Michigan with Hira Khan. She's the interim executive director of M Gage Michigan Action. It's a state chapter of an advocacy organization working to engage Muslims to vote. For M Gage Action, the goal was to get those voters to vote uncommitted. She joins us to talk about the campaign and why that was their priority this year. Hira Khan, welcome to Inspired by Interfaith Voices. It is a pleasure to have you on this morning. And we are talking, we should say, on Wednesday, February 28th, after what I imagine for you was a very long evening. Yeah, absolutely. Tell me what happened in Michigan yesterday. Um, If you're not familiar with the background in Michigan, there has been a huge grassroots movement that has actually popped up over the last several weeks, urging voters to vote uncommitted in this presidential primary on the Democratic ballot specifically. So as we're getting the results in from last night, at least 100,000 votes um, actually going to this uncommitted bubble on the ballot. I understand that one campaign, Listen Michigan, which is launched by Congresswoman Tlaib's sister, uh, has been at one of the most vocal, but it's not just Listen Michigan. Yes. So we are working with Listen to Michigan in this coalition. This is a very community-led grassroots movement. And this movement really spurred from the ongoing conflict in Gaza. A lot of voters are incredibly unhappy and dissatisfied and even feel betrayed by the current administration with their ongoing response. We've seen, you know, over 30,000 lives lost. We've seen millions of folks displaced. It's been over 140 days since this ongoing conflict has been happening. And voting uncommitted has been a great avenue and channel for people to vote, for people to express their their dissatisfaction in a democratic way. 
So let's unpack that for a second. Why was that important? So as we were communicating with voters at the doors, on the phones, it was becoming very clear that there was a large sense of voter apathy within the community in response to the conflict. You know, voters didn't feel inclined to go out to the ballot box this primary because they felt that there was not a candidate that really represented um, their concerns. And having this uncommitted option on the ballot really gave voters an outlet to show up to the polls to express their dissatisfaction in that way. You know, folks that generally would have would have voted for President Biden in the past have maybe pivoted to vote uncommitted this election to show this administration that they are losing support very quickly here in Michigan. If there's not a correction that happens on this path, they will lose support. So when you say if there's not a correction on this path, what are you what are you asking for? What do you mean by that? I think first and foremost, um, and this is probably just the tip of the iceberg, is for a ceasefire, an immediate and permanent ceasefire in Gaza. When you use the word apathy around an election cycle, it raises for me this question. Was the uncommitted campaign to get people to the polls an effort to be able to ensure that this segment of the community, those who are voting, are able to exercise some power as opposed to stepping out and not being counted? Yes, I think this uncommitted campaign has definitely given folks an outlet to actually make it to the ballot box in cases where many people may not have showed up to vote. I also think it is in part of a larger movement as well. We've seen protests in the streets. We've seen sit-ins. We've seen lots of um, activism happening. And the implication is that if you are able to generate a certain percentage, then those uncommitted get a delegate at the convention. That's right. As of this morning, um, I can confirm that there are at least two districts in which um, more than 15% of the vote on the ballot went to uncommitted. So what that means is in those two districts, there will be a delegate from each district that will be taken away from Joe Biden at the national convention. This is not a movement we are seeing uniquely within the Arab American or Muslim community. Um, while there are many formal partners you know, who have partnered with Listen to Michigan. Um, there's a lot of other movements that are popping up as well that are sort of co-opting this uncommitted uh, campaign. You know, we've seen it with the Armenian community. We've seen it in some African-American communities. It is very diverse, multi-ethnic, multi-faith movement um, for people to express, you know, their dissatisfaction with the ongoing conflict in Gaza. Are you seeing a reaction this morning in other states around the country? Yes, I think Michigan was just the start, and I think we'll be seeing this um, across the country. We've heard of other states um, wanting to adopt these similar measures as well, because Michigan is not the only state that has uncommitted on their ballot. To my understanding, states such as Washington and Minnesota also have those options on the ballot. And how are faith communities responding 
we have been seeing, you know, not just the Muslim community, but even our brothers and sisters in the Jewish community who have been opposed to this, this unending, you know, violation of human rights to these violations of international law. So we are really seeing this across the communities because I think everyone can agree that there is no need to have continuous and endless war. I think the common goal for everyone here is we want peace. We we want people to be able to live peacefully. We want people to be able to live in harmony. And we want to see an end to this conflict. One of the things that I noted is that it wasn't just Dearborn and Hamtrak, two communities that have high percentages of Arab Americans that voted uncommitted, but Ann Arbor, which is a college town, uh, registered nearly 19% as uncommitted. Were you surprised to see that? No, because I think there are a lot of a lot of young people, in particular first-time voters, who are really activated to come out this election. And you know, my team was doing some poll monitoring um, across across the Metro Detroit area, and we really saw people of all ages registering to vote. There were young people, there were elder people, there were, you know, all kinds of community that came out to this. I wouldn't even say it's something limited to just the young voters. We we have seen mobilization um, at all levels, really. Here, the primary is over and the next stop is the general election. Will you be working to continue to engage and encourage voters to participate in the general election? Absolutely. Our communities of color, and in particular, I can speak to the Muslim community, have been in the past, you know, lower propensity voters than other communities. So um, from now until November in the general election, we absolutely will be encouraging um, our communities to vote. We will be um we will be educating them on their voting rights. We will be educating them on the different ways that they can express their vote, whether it's through an absentee ballot, early in person, or even on election day at the polls. A voting uncommitted was a protest vote in some ways. During the general, the only other way to protest uh, would be to vote for the other candidate. You know, I think one thing that was very evident um, following last night's primary election is that People came out to vote uncommitted because they felt that neither candidate and neither party was really hearing them out. So it's really hard to say if folks are going to vote um, or shift to the other ballot because we've seen the results of a Donald Trump presidency. We've seen the Muslim ban and our community has not forgotten that. So our path forward really depends on what this administration does. I guess what I'm asking you, Hira, is... Is it realistic to think that voters who are unsatisfied and angry at uh, President Biden, he has earned the moniker among many as Genocide Joe. Is it really that far fetched to assume that President Trump has an opportunity to earn some new voters or win some votes from those who formerly supported President Biden? I think our community has not forgotten um, all that happened under uh, Donald Trump's presidency back in 2016. Um, our community was very disproportionately impacted by hate rhetoric and things like the Muslim ban. So I don't particularly see Muslims being inclined to really support um, President Donald Trump, but I also don't see them being particularly inclined to support President Joe Biden in this moment as well. I think the movement of our community going forward really depends on the actions of 
both administrations between now and November. I think if there is a call for a permanent ceasefire, that's just the tip of the iceberg. That's just a starting point to maybe open up further conversations. But for now, I think our community is pretty firmly rooted in the fact that neither administration is really catering to their needs. What are the activities that you have planned in Michigan between now and the general election? We will be doing a lot of voter mobilization and voter education here in Michigan. We've actually had the passage of several new voting rights laws since the last election. Um, So, for example, we have early in-person voting for up to nine days um, prior to an election. We have you know, the continuous um, education on how to fill an absentee ballot and how to request an absentee ballot. Um, so we will definitely be educating our voters on those on those um, voting rights laws. We will be doing it through um, door-to-door canvassing, phone banking, text banking. Um, we will probably be doing some community town halls as well um, to really make sure our community is equipped to show up at the polls in November. Can we expect a coalition to emerge that is going to continue this work? I think so. I think our community has been activated in ways we have never seen before. And I can totally see that there's a lot of motivation. There's a lot of energy, especially following the results um, from last night's primary election. So I can absolutely see this um, expanding into something larger going forward. And what message will you be using to counter the anger and the apathy that people may be feeling? I think the messaging really depends on the actions of this administration going forward. Um, I think a permanent ceasefire is just a tip of the iceberg. If the government is able to call for a permanent ceasefire, that would just open the door to further conversations. It sounds like you're saying that the message to encourage voters to turn out in November is one that's going to be dictated by what the Biden administration does. Absolutely. Here, there are those who say that this effort to discourage people from voting explicitly for President Joe Biden is a threat not only to the outcome, but an existential threat to democracy. There is a lot of writing and concern that based on the practices and the promises that former President Trump has been making, that the United States in this election faces an existential crisis. And the reaction to the mobilization efforts of groups like M-Gage and uh, Action and Listen Michigan and other organizations that are encouraging people to vote uncommitted, they they decry that as short-sighted. What is your response to that? The uncommitted campaign is, you know, very, very, very much in alignment with our American values, our American democracy. This is an opportunity and this has this has been an opportunity for voters to go through our democratic processes of voting in alignment with their values to really express their thoughts and feelings to this administration in a very American manner. So I totally disagree to say that this is, you know, any sort of attack on democracy. In fact, this is a method through which voters feel very empowered to go to the polls and really participate in our American democratic processes. The fact that we had over 100,000 people come and submit a vote at the ballot box 
for something that they believe in is a true representation of American democracy. Hira Khan, thank you for joining. Thank you for having me. Hira Khan is the interim executive director of MGAGE Michigan. She's previously served as a director of governance at New American Leaders. She also served as a deputy city clerk of the city of Ferndale, Michigan. This week, the turnout in Tuesday's Michigan primary is energizing other statewide campaigns, especially in places where the uncommitted option is on the ballot. Places like Minnesota, where voters head to the polls on Super Tuesday, March 5th. Like in Michigan, the message organizers are putting out focuses on one single issue, Gaza. Your vote uncommitted can save lives. Your vote uncommitted can stop this war. Your vote of uncommitted can give sense that politics is always about the people. It is the constituents who voted for President Biden today who need to continue to call out for the values that they voted for him. That's Jelani Hussein. He's the co-chair of the Abandoned Biden chapter in Minnesota, speaking in front of the Murphy Courthouse in Minneapolis, along with two local council members and dozens of Muslim leaders. Many are wearing kafeyas, holding signs with messages about Gaza, and they're calling for a ceasefire. Hussein also wears another hat. He serves as the head of the Council of American Islamic Relations in Minnesota. Now, his work with the council is separate from Abandoned Biden. But the Council of American Islamic Relations has been historically focused on encouraging American Muslims to not only register and vote, but to share their perspectives and the issues that matter. The National Office of Care, based in Washington, D.C., is conducting exit polling of Muslim voters during this primary season. On Wednesday, Government Affairs Director Robert McCraw shared findings which showed a profound shift from 2020, when Muslims overwhelmingly turned out then for Joe Biden. Last night's survey showed that 94 percent of Democratic respondents uh, voted uncommitted Only less than 5% said that they supported President Biden. It shows that the majority of Muslims are unsatisfied uh, with the candidates that are before them. If there was a snap election today, 40% said they would vote for other candidate, and 25% said that they would vote for Dr. Cornell West, who's a third-party candidate. CARE has been conducting polling of the Muslim American community for decades on everything from beliefs and religious practices to issue priorities during the election season. McCraw is quick to point out that, like all Americans, the diverse voters who make up the quote-unquote Muslim vote are paying attention to many issues. The concerns of Muslim voters are no different than any other American, uh, whether it's the African-American community, Latino community, or the general populace were concerned about good jobs, good education, safe roads to drive on, and our health care and our children's education. And these trends really don't change. One issue does stand out to McCraw that galvanizes voters across the spectrum. Working in the Muslim electorate for the past decade, I haven't seen a single more unifying issue than demanding an immediate ceasefire. We might be a diverse community, but uh, on coalition and coordinating calls with other Muslim organizations, 
we're all in agreement that demanding a ceasefire is one of our top priorities as a community. And when we see this large group of Muslims, we might be the most religiously diverse community in the country, but we're a force multiplier for our shared concerns. And so there is a voting block that can develop within the Muslim community, especially if they're driven on single track issues like demanding a ceasefire. CARE, along with other national groups, including MGAGE, are making voter identification, engagement, and education a top priority. We're going to make calls, we're going to knock on doors, we're going to send text messages till Muslims have no choice but to turn out and vote. And then over the summer, uh, we're going to clean up with the other primaries as we start educating Muslim voters about the importance of not only the primaries, but turning on the general election not just to vote for the president, but members of Congress and local and state races as well. And they're looking beyond the primaries. A week before the Michigan primary, I attended an event hosted by MGAGE in Baltimore, Maryland. There, Mohamed Gullah, the Virginia director of MGAGE Action, wearing a sharp red suit and holding no notes, talked about the five important states that will be critical come November, and that MGAGE, along with its partners, are focused on generating resources, attention, and mobilizing voters. Across the country, the Senate races, the Muslim vote matters in Arizona, the Muslim vote matters in Wisconsin, the Muslim vote matters in California, where we have five congressional districts that we can easily protect or flip, the Muslim vote matters in New York, where, where we have another six congressional districts we can easily flip. And so when people ask me, does the Muslim vote matter? The Muslim vote matters across the board, and it will always matter. Coming up, Monique Parsons brings us a special from our partners at The Spiritual Edge. She takes a closer look at the work of women in Islam leader, Sister Aisha Adwiya, and how her journey as a black Muslim woman inspired other Muslim women inside the faith to fight for their right for dignity and equal space inside the mosque. That's coming up. Stay with us. friends, I hope you're enjoying the show so far. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of our community. I don't know if you know this, but we are on the air all the way from Richmond, Virginia to Ketchikan, Alaska, and in so many places in between. We're a national show, and we are a small and mighty team committed to bringing you stories and sounds from around the world that convey not only the diversity and the pluralism of our country, but the beliefs that are shaping our world, our politics, our culture, and the ideas that sustain us and inspire us to think about where we are going. And that brings me to this question. If you value us, if you enjoy listening and appreciate what you're hearing, I want to ask you to take a moment to consider becoming a sustaining member of Interfaith Voices or make a one-time donation at interfaithradio.networkforgood.com. That's interfaithradio.networkforgood.com. Thank you, and let's get back to the show. (laughs) 